Welcome back to Horoscope Witch. It's Mal, and we made it! The Saturn-Pluto conjunction! We survived! Hopefully, um, everybody who's listening survived. I would think if you're listening, you did survive, in fact. Uh, so, now that that's kind of donezo... No, I'm kidding. I mean, we'll still be feeling the Saturn-Pluto conjunction for a while now, but... I think sort of that that pinnacle energy sort of has passed and like I talked about in the last episode Uranus has gone direct right and now we have all of our planets direct and it's funny because uh, my one of my clients I haven't seen her in a really long time she actually walked into the shop last week and she told me something uh like I guess last time I read for her she I forgot but she like recorded the reading and so she was re-listening to the reading that I gave her probably like six months ago and she was like you said something really funny in the reading uh she was like you said like stop waiting for that rainbow parrot to like come to your windowsill and be like caca caca like you, you, you're not going to always get a sign, a huge sign from the universe that it's time to do something. Sometimes you just have to do it. <laughs> and I, I kind of remember telling her that, but I, I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes when you're in spirit, you don't completely remember everything that comes through. Uh, but I was thinking about how she said that or how I said that to her And I felt like that was like the perfect metaphor for the energy right now, now that the Saturn-Pluto conjunction has passed and um, Uranus has gone direct, we've had our full moon in Cancer. Um, It's like all this big massive energy is now sort of separating and it kind of brings to mind like, okay, like maybe now is the time to sort of put some stuff into action. We've kind of waited, we've rested, now is the time to kind of go. And uh, if you've been sort of waiting for a rainbow parrot to come to your windowsill and caca and like give you a sign, maybe it's not going to be that obvious. Um, But maybe it's just this is your rainbow parrot like (laughs) coming to your windowsill maybe this is just the sign that it's time to move forward and it's time to sort of um yeah move forward with your goals so i just wanted to say that i wanted to start off with a little bit of a check-in and before we get into the episode a couple things um housekeeping stuff on my part i promise i'm only going to talk for like one minute um first of all Thank you so much for working with me with the natal chart stuff, guys. Uh, My natal chart bookings, like, they've been fully booked this month, and I'm so grateful, and thank you so much for giving me the privilege of um, working on your natal charts, and it's just, it's awesome. Now, for February, I'm only going to have a really few sprinklings of distance astrology clients that I'm going to be taking, and that's because in February, I'll be teaching an in-person tarot class in Chicago, if you're interested, DM me or find the find the um, 
the details on Instagram, but because I'm doing that class, I'm not going to have, um, the class is on Saturdays in February, so I'm not going to have, um, those Saturdays to take distance clients, so I'm just kind of going to take a few in February, but not my normal capacity. So I thought I'd just put that out there, and if you've been wanting a natal chart reading for from me, um, there's going to be, again, a few offerings in February that I'll post on Instagram, but otherwise um, March will kind of be that uh, full openings of my books again after that class is over so I thought I'd just say that and that's enough of that let's get into this episode because I'm really excited uh so I met Isabel uh Isabel runs a sort of tarot group and I, I met her there and uh she's awesome and I knew I really wanted to have her on the podcast uh to talk about not only tarot but Uh, Isabel is actually a consulting hypnotist, and she's also a life coach and a tarot reader. And she she combines her sort of Transylvanian lineage into deep inner work to help her clients unearth the truth of themselves, their abilities, and their gifts within society. So... I really, really wanted to talk to her about hypnotism and also her spiritual journey. So in this episode that you're about to listen to, uh, she sort of describes her really beautiful journey as a traveler. She calls herself a digital nomad. Um, She kind of tells some stories about how she's traveled the world, um, has curated different creative exhibitions throughout different places in the world and also her journey in becoming a tarot reader and a life coach and a hypnotist we talk about all of that stuff and um you know I share on this episode that I'm kind of scared of hypnotism and uh she kind of helps me get over my fear the way she describes it and we talk about why this specific healing modality can be so powerful and so healing uh, to different people for different reasons. So we also talked about what it is, what it really means to be a trauma-informed practitioner. Um, A couple months ago, Isabella and I both attended a trauma workshop and think that really changed at least the way I look at my work. So we we talked about ways to make tarot readings trauma-informed and the ways that tarot can kind of help us work through trauma. And we talked about a bunch of other stuff too. It's a really interesting episode. So if you're interested in past lives, hypnotism, uh, tarot, trauma, like all this stuff, I think you're really going to like it. So Without further ado, here's the interview. Okay, so I was kind of trying to figure out like where to start with you because <laughs> you are like you have so many different modalities that I feel like you cover. So you're interested in in herbalism, you do the tarot, you're also um, you do the hypnosis stuff. So like with the little pieces of your journey all coming together, I kind of was interested in like what where did you start? Like were you always like a little hedge witch? Like <laughs> I don't know or like what what was like the modality that came into your life first? Ooh. 
there was one memory, but then I was like, wait a second, there's another memory. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, the first thing that kind of spurred all of the witchery, funny enough, was Jesus Camp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, I think, was like third or fourth grade maybe, and I went off on a Jesus camp and it was one of the it's the charismatic tradition where then you can speak in tongues and all this wow and I couldn't speak in tongues all my friends could but I couldn't so I was like okay God doesn't love me then or what so it's like third grade me being like okay God doesn't love me let's figure this out (laughs) pretty traumatizing um but from there I think it was the greatest gift because I then dove into like more into scripture and what is Pentecost supposed to be about and the whole thing of speaking in tongues was to spread the message of Jesus and that was the thing and I'm like I don't know if the way that I'm seeing how this is being used in the church is the actual way that God intended but who am I right (laughs) but looking into it I was like okay this doesn't feel right so then going down that rabbit hole the library and me became best friends and I hung out in the spirituality section, and that's where I discovered the mystics and the poets, so like from Sufism and Rumi to the Gnostics of Christianity, and I loved those, and I was like, these are my people, and I finally felt at home, I'm like, I'm still Christian in a way, but I'm also like, I don't resonate with, um, I think we're okay. We're okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't resonate with, um, how how this church is actually acting so from there too um i grew up with herbalism like growing up romanian so we'd always have tinctures and remedies and uh things that we do in the house so it was always normal and i'd always go to the apothecary in the city and we'd get our herbs and uh, grandma would say to do this and mom said to do that so i thought it was very natural then to to go in that direction because in high school, as I was still continuing on this journey of what spirituality, what is God, what is the great big right. unknown, <laughs> I was also dealing with panic attacks and anxiety uh, from some other past trauma. And I was like, what is this? So again, the gift within that then became herbalism to heal my own self. Okay. Yeah. And from there, um, art became my next thing and doing channeling through artwork and that was how I would connect with the upstairs yeah mm-hmm. I like that the upstairs <laughs> yeah I'd be like but what's next what do I do and I found that I was kind of using my art like an oracle deck in a way like as a daily practice along with gratitude practices and then from there I found out about chakras I found out about energy centers I got attuned to Reiki Um, So I thought, well, why not? I'm already in this world, and I think that it's helpful. And I did feel things when I had myself attuned, and I could feel different energies. So I thought, okay, I'll do this, and it'll be a a tool in my toolbox with herbalism. And from there, I healed myself, and I found out, well, like, what am I here to do? And this is in high school, where everyone's like, figure out where you go to college and school. And I was like, senioritis and junior year of high school. (laughs) You were already like, this ain't my path. This ain't my path. (laughs) This isn't my thing. And um, I'm glad that all of my stuff happened in high school because I have friends now that I went to school with and they reached out and they're dealing with similar things, whether it's a nervous breakdown or anxiety or depression. And they're like, well, how'd you get out of it? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, 
it was a journey <laughs> and here are my tools so a lot of it came from my own internal need of figuring things out and also healing myself and then when everything was kind of like at a peak and I was still not dealing well with still dealing with depression and things I was like okay God what do you want from me it's like you need to travel the world and help people wow and I said that's the only thing that was a glimmer of some kind of hope despite everything else I was like okay God whatever you say I'm gonna do this and so a year later I end up in China <laughs> yeah. well yeah that sounds like you're a you're a Sagittarius or something. <laughs> yeah. definitely lots of Sag so I was like okay I'm gonna listen to this Sun this light right right, right. and um, so I, I, I got the travel bug and I was like okay this is possible and I found a lot of books along the way too that kind of were mirrors that said here's permission to go through this nonconformist path mm -hmm. this is what is for you and um, while I was doing that I developed my morning practice with my art my gratitudes but then I picked up an oracle deck uh, when I was in France and it kind of like tarot stuff blossomed Started from to there. Come in. Yeah. So I picked up this oracle deck um, and I, I told the lady at the shop, I was like, I want something that I can only get here and it's really unique and she's like, let me show you. She shows me like all the tarot decks and things. And uh, there's this watercolor artist that lives in France, but then there's this gypsy um, that lives in the 6th arrondissement that grew up in the caravan circus culture and they combined their forces together into Whoa. this deck. I was like, that's the one that I'm going to take. And it was beautiful watercolors and everything. So that then became a regular practice along with my art. And uh, Was that deck like based in Rider-Waite-Smith or was it his own system? A little system? bit. It was, okay. it was like, I think it was more inspired by, but then it went to like the apples of love being the cups and the swords still being the swords, the trapeze being the, um, I don't remember the association of that one, but that was kind of more. Maybe the wands? The wands, okay. yeah. And then there was the little hedgehog that was the earth and oh, pentacles. that's so cute. <laughs> it was super, super cute. And then the archetypes or the major arcana were these different characters that he grew up with in the like caravan life. Wow. And they're beautiful watercolors, it's like, yes. And then I go up to Romania, and my cousin had this angel deck from, uh, from the little bookstore, and I was like, oh, I really love these. And she, we started pulling cards for each other every day when I was visiting, and I was like, well, I want to get one too. Right. Because they're like written in Romanian, but they're the Doreen Virtue angel oh, cards. Oh, I was going to say, are they the yeah. Doreen Virtue ones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll just add to the collection. I have my Oracle, and now I have my angel cards. Oracle in French, angel in Romanian. And then I think I got my, my first actual tarot deck on my second trip to France when I went to the Dali Museum. Okay. And it was Dali's version of Whoa. the tarot deck. Okay. And I was like, yes, this is it. It's kind of dark and surreal, but I'm totally about it. <laughs> That's so once you started like going into the tarot, mm -hmm. how did that start to like change your relationship with God? Like, did you start <sighs> yeah. to realize that like the way that you were raised, like it wasn't necessarily what resonated with you anymore or? It's funny cause I felt 
more close to God than I did before. I get that. I could, I 100%, I did not know God until I started reading tarot. Yeah. Like, truly. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I was like, oh, there's a universal language here, and it's not just biblical stories, which, of course, they still are stories in themselves, but it wasn't so black and white, and it was yeah. the nuance of the human experience. And I'm just like, yes, this is refreshing. I remember when I brought my tarot cards home when I was still living at home, my dad was just like, oh, that's not okay, and it's bad. And my mom, she's like a not-so-secret psychic. <laughs> and she's like, ooh, Bella, read my books, read my books. And read my books. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, mom, we're going to read the books. Because she intuitively would know things ever since I was little, or I'd bring friends home, and she'd be like, I don't like them. And I'm like, you just met them for a second. And then like six months later, stuff went down, and I'm like... I hate that you're right. right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because she's a Cancer, Scorpio, and then Scorpio rising. So she's so that she triple knows. water. She knows. She knows. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So would you say that, like, with your tarot and, like, your journey with God, then how did you end up then in Chicago? Yeah. So I grew up... Um, well, so families from Romania, but then we left and lived in Germany, and then I was born there. But being a refugee and all, they're like, well, you can't stay here, so you got to scoot. So then we ended up here, and then we ended up in Chicago. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so after getting going through the whole immigration process and then getting my citizenship my senior year of high school, when everyone's excited about prom and college and all this, I'm like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Get my passport. Yeah. Oh, wow. I <laughs> can't leaving. even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so went to China, came back, and then was like, well, I got the travel bug and I can do this. So I built my business so that I could travel and was doing consulting and I booked a one-way ticket to Europe, went to the first digital nomad conference in Berlin. That was a trip. Yeah. (laughs) And then like hopped around Europe for a bit um, and almost didn't come back. But I had a moment of um, kind of like, oh, this is the completion of this chapter, like the traveling and helping people part of things. And you need to start over now and you have to have an international exhibition. And I was like, what, God? I don't <laughs> like this took me seven years to build. And now you want me to toss it off to the side? And he's like, yep. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll figure it out. And so learning to not um, be a digital nomad and like hop around from place to place, live in hotels or Airbnbs or couch surf to then like living in a city and paying rent monthly and stability the whole big theme my first year moving to chicago was root chakra so my whole apartment was red white and black (laughs) (laughs) and it still partially is wow Um, because the last the last kind of big scene i had before god was like hey um was i was staying with my my grandma's across the hall neighbors that were like super hardcore communists and we'd have tea every morning and talk about politics and history (laughs) and they were the sweetest little couple and then um him the husband knowing that my dad was a communist revolutionary against the communists we'd like argue but in the best way and then ask them for wisdom so i was staying over at their house in timishwara and they have this like bookshelf with all the old Romanian textiles and it's black, white, and red from the region. So I was like, okay, if I'm rooting down, I'm taking that with me. Cause then after like a year 
she passed away and then he passed away right after that so oh, I was like okay. I'm bringing this with me in my rootedness even if I'm not in Romania I'm in Chicago and bring it with me yeah that makes sense and then when you finally decided um, and it's funny because it's reminding me of I, I, I feel like it's from the artist's way but mm-hmm. I feel like Julia Cameron or some she brings up a quote from someone else yeah. that's like until you 100% commit to something like you can't have the energy like the full energy of manifestation (laughs) you need to commit 100% and then like the stuff will start to flow but while while you are still 50 50 you can't really cultivate anything Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that like God kind of was like no you better root yourself (laughs) in Chicago be 100% and we'll see where it goes (laughs) exactly that and it was like and I won't say it was 100% easy. It was actually like, okay, you want this? Show up. And I remember my first month, I had enough for rent the first month. And then I had to figure it out. And I also decided to rebrand because I wasn't doing social media consulting anymore. Um, and I was doing more inner work and inner story work and like the fun, meaty stuff that I wanted to do. And I was like, well, decide to rebrand and move into a new place where your income's coming from? Smart move. <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, it worked out perfectly because then I got a little part-time job and then just fully focused on growing my practice. And within six months, it was like full. And then I found um, two really good other witchy ladies. One was my, who then became my stylist and she uses a lot of magic. Her name was Ijeni Schultz. And then the curator of the show that I was going to do in Prague, which was like the international exhibition that God was like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) Um, we kind of masterminded together and then it beautifully turned into like us supporting each other in these massive projects that we committed to, like you said, and we didn't know how it was going to happen, didn't know what was going to be, but everything in my bones was like, that's the thing that you need to do right (laughs) you gotta do it Mm -hmm. and when you finally like re-rooted and re-grounded in Chicago is that when the kind of hypnosis journey started so it's funny because hypnosis kind of came a little bit later so the show came and went uh, came back from Europe again and everything in me wanted to do more of the storytelling and the performance part of things. Because for the night of the show, I had three different costumes I changed in, and then I had the artwork and then the films, and I was just like, I was crazy. I was gonna do 21 aspects of self and 21 films, 21 costumes, 21. I did three. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I got the core essence. We're good. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But after, I was really, it was such a learning experience of like putting events and stuff that I wanted to put an event together with my clients and then three months after I came back from Europe I made a big national event here in Chicago at Chill. It was this really cool, it's like a meditation gallery space. Wow. And it was called Supernova which is what it felt like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it had clients coming in from LA and New York and we were working on their stories so it was their performances of their stories and their artwork. So did that and I was like oh my god event coordination and costumes and all this and I was like this is a thing that I'm not sure 100% is in my zone of genius but it's something that I want to be a part of and I found like not even a couple weeks later um one of my favorite psychological illusionists uh Darren Brown okay who did a show on Netflix called um 
what was it called? A miracle. Okay. Yeah. And so he was all about, and I talk about this with the storytelling work that I did, that there is the science part of things and then there's also the skeptic side of things. Because I always tell people to be skeptical and to trust their own stuff. Yes. Because I hate the like guru worship and they know all. I'm like, I came to all of my things between me and upstairs. Right. Trusting that. Um, I can give tips and tools and stuff and share my story, but that's all I can do because everyone's journey is, it's as different. you know, yeah. super unique. So Darren Brown does hypnosis, but he also does story. And it was kind of like this next level of what I saw the the merging of storytelling and art and showmanship could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. But then with doing coaching for since 2008... Um, I was like, well, hypnosis works so much quicker. (laughs) Yeah. And it works straight with the subconscious, which is what the storytelling work does, but it's working in the conscious mind. Like, what story and narrative of your life you want to create. Okay. But subconsciously, hypnosis is like, what are the things that are keeping us from making the story happen? Yep. So if we haven't done inner work or even, like, conscious work on ourselves, how dare we move five steps ahead before we set the foundation but that's me being fiery (laughs) no that makes sense because even even when it comes to manifesting our goals like then sometimes we get these goals and then we don't we're not happy or we're not satisfied it's probably because there's like subconsciously there's things that are out of alignment with how you're manifesting so that makes perfect sense like you weren't ready yet for all of this or your nervous system wasn't ready to experience it all i mean sometimes we get thrown into things but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah like even this is kind of this is a weird like um example that i'm just like getting but even if you think of like a child actor like making Mm. it really big like they're they kind of figure out how to cultivate like this manifestation of like fame at a young age but Mm -hmm. then once they get to adulthood they're like really fucked up because their subconscious never like was able like you said the nervous system was never able to like adjust to like the thing so that's (laughs) interesting like all this water into this tiny little vessel and it's like drowning <laughs> in it and it's like I can only take so much and it's like we're growing and it and it takes time and like a daily discipline practice to grow that vessel and that container yeah mm-hmm. so so you're like the hypnosis coach yes almost. <laughs> that's interesting I've never heard of a coach integrating hypnosis but that's really I haven't met smart. one yet yeah so I mean if I'm the first then I will take it <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I mean the coaching I know works and I've been doing it for so long and all my clients have awesome results um I think the that the hypnosis adding that as a layer into the toolkit just adds maybe some more speed to things and the container grows a little bit quicker now, I bet when you started, you know, doing your own hypnotherapy, yeah. is that what we call And then when you started doing your own personal hypnosis work and then started bringing it into your client work, mm-hmm. did you find that you were suddenly, like, in a position of greater responsibility? Ooh. Well, I think... Even with coaching, I knew, like, hey, this is somebody's life. Right. And they're trusting me to hold that space and be that container for them. Right. Um, so I 
never took it lightly even with hypnosis too I, I tell people straight up like what to expect um, any like side effects or things like that which are rare but also being trauma informed which is something I know you and I talk about a lot so one of the big thing because a lot of the things or clients that I worked with before were all trauma survivors that's what mm-hmm. I yeah that's what I was thinking yeah so knowing and and it's so funny because all the trauma survivors I worked with were like the hardest working instant manifestors because they've gone through their ish mm-hmm. and they've came out the other side so their nervous systems are like Phew. right so the thing with them <laughs> was creating sustainability and how can I like not re-traumatize myself every time for these big leaps but actually like what is it that I need and create that safe base for them because one exercise that I that I teach my clients like right when we start up is the slightly future self exercise okay and interviewing your slightly future self and what do they need how do people perceive them what's your typical day look like those are just some of the questions but they're like wait a second what do I need what do I want Mm -hmm. because we say we want money we want fame we want this but it's like is it really though in the depths of that What's really the thing that you need and why? Yeah, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you start to like grapple with um, like working with trauma survivors yeah. and you yourself being a refugee, I would make the assumption that you are also a trauma survivor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did that kind of and I guess I'm asking for my own like reason too, because <laughs> yeah. like when you do any kind of healing work, mm-hmm. you're typically then faced with somehow needing or needing to manage a space of holding space for someone's trauma. Sure, sure. But that's not necessarily what we think of when we think of oh the hip- hypnotherapist or mm-hmm. oh the tarot reader or yeah, the herbalist. Totally. But it kind of turns into that. So was there ever like has there been times in your practice where you've been like oh shit like I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a therapist like oh shit like I don't have this degree like that like so how do you deal with that or I think that's that's great and something that's super important as healers astrologers people working in healing spaces um I think I got really lucky because most of my clients they worked with a therapist side by side and if they didn't have that they had tools that they've been using for a long time um and it was really i knew when to stretch people and they also knew like hey this is a limit for me and we're like oh yes we've gotten to a limit and so let's Mm -hmm. name that that's what it is um but most of them they were like let's push let's push (laughs) (laughs) let's keep going um and i also know and i think this is the thing of the longer you've done healing the work healing work the more you can read people and you can see when they're uncomfortable you can see when they're like this is enough for today or their eyes glaze over and they're like I think I'm good because that was one of my things when I first started I was like a fire hose of information because I'm like I want you to succeed and here's all the stuff and they're like wait a second my nervous system can only take so much so that was a quick learning for me but I also had support systems for myself which I think we need to have as healers. So I had a therapist I saw every week and I still do. I had a coach that I worked with every week that I still, oh, we haven't worked together in a while, but we have, we worked together in the summer, but occasionally I'll like check in with them. 
and then I have a weekly little group of other practitioners that I go to that I'm like can we process this together and they do the same thing so I have my support teams in place to see just like you said oh is this a thing that maybe the therapist should talk to them more about or do you have a referral or a resource that you think this client that I'm seeing would be beneficial for them yeah that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. because I think as like the healer and we can just use healer as like the blanket term for all of the astrologers and the readers and the (laughs) you know reiki whatever we're doing um like it's good I think for the healer to have some sort of like inner gauge of this is something that I am qualified to hold space for because I of my gift or because I yes. have you know my intuition or whatnot and mm-hmm. um, and I think perhaps I think healers can offer something that a typical clinician maybe can't um, but then we also have that gauge where it's like no that's way not my job mm-hmm. and also I don't get paid enough for that, <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. there are those and I think naming them too is really good and I that was one of the things that I would talk to my therapist about of like where is that that line because it is such a gray area yeah however with um what I kind of came up with was when somebody is still functional in society and they're not dealing with severe mental illness because I have worked with side by side with therapists under like insurance and everything with people that are dealing with extreme mental illness okay they like can't function in society that I'm like I work side by side with them in a clinical setting but I know that they're not in a receptive space for like the coaching part of things yeah so the hypnosis is like way slower it's even just building rapport and trust sometimes with people because a lot of people work with clinicians and doctors especially in the practice I'm in that they're dealing with chronic illness and doctors don't understand or they they're skeptical of the people that are supposed to help them because they didn't right so it's a lot of like let's even backtrack to hold space for you right now no matter what's happening wow yeah I didn't even think about that but there's so you're right there's probably so many people who maybe are coming to hypnosis Mm -hmm. after maybe some sort of traditional medical route has failed them Mm -hmm. in some way or has even um maybe like made them kind of take emotional an emotional beating you know yes like if you think of okay when I think of hypnotherapy mm-hmm. and this is a stereotype so we'll talk about this no but that's totally a thing I we think, talk about I think like okay <laughs> the stereotype of hypnotherapy is maybe someone who wants to quit some kind of addiction mm-hmm. or um, maybe even someone who wants to lose weight quit smoking whatever like I'm thinking yeah. these are things that also if they were in a traditional medical setting mm-hmm. the doctor would probably scrutinize you for those things totally so that thing already feels like unsafe so I could see how hypnotherapy can kind of provide a safe space for those things to come up Mm -hmm. but beyond like that stereotype that I just (laughs) mentioned like who is what like yeah who is hypnotherapy actually for yeah so I think um I find the most success with clients that are highly sensitive people, highly oh. creative people. They're more introverted. It's funny how often I recommend the highly sensitive person book. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh my God, I feel so seen. I'm like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have a couple clients that are like teenagers too that um, 
have gone through a similar journey that I have Mm -hmm. where they're dealing with whether it's anxiety, panic, depression, or other immigrant families too where they're like family is everything and then developing new relationships with like, wait, I can have a chosen family too if I'm in a toxic environment. Like cultivating that own self-trust and that own inner voice, that own inner connection. I mean, everyone has a different name for it, but... I, you know, I tune into what the client has, if they have a religious thing or if they have just like, they call it the universe. I'm like, well, how do we tune into that? And they usually, what happens is people don't have, like you said, a space to contemplate that. Yeah. So I'll create that space for them. And then when we do hypnosis, I like walk them through like the induction, the deepening and all that. And I ask them at the end of the session, how would you absolutely love to feel? And how do you want to shift that moving into the week? And so from that information, I'll create a script for their subconscious. So if, for example, I don't want to be so angry at my mom all the time, or like I'm quick to anger, like every time the anger comes up, we'll put a color to that and then we'll flip it around and then we'll bring it back into the body so that they have their subconscious working on that in the background and Mm. cultivating that while they're at home. Because then they have the recording of the hypnotic script before bedtime. And they can listen to that and it's like taking your brain to the gym taking your nervous system to the gym oh yeah that's that's awesome yeah um yeah because i think even people maybe who are listening i think most of my listeners are like therapy friendly like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know like if you if you're like a healer you, you do tarot or whatever i think most people are i think that stereotype around therapy being um like i don't know what the stereotype is just like not not societally acceptable i think our generation is like totally adding that but Mm -hmm. then on the other hand we do have this situation where like talk therapy is great Mm -hmm. but then like your traditional talk therapy doesn't get at the subconscious things like you're talking about Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm thinking it could be like so beneficial if it's accessible to someone Mm -hmm. to have that sort of mix of like therapy hypnosis like that it's like a perfect pair Mm -hmm. and that's where I always tell people um even if it's like their first time and they're skeptical because it's another it's another clinician that they're meeting or a practitioner that they're meeting I'm like I don't know if this is gonna work because I've tried everything I'm like I am honored that you're choosing me to be um, part of your support team yeah you know and like I take that role seriously um whether it's in the coaching facility like coaching role or hypnosis role as a teacher role um to really be like i'm a part of this person's life and their support team so try to model that good behavior right (laughs) you know right for them because that was one of the things a lot of like in the coaching space people talk about was like well have you already accomplished all the things that you sell i'm like yeah, I'm not going to say that I haven't done this and then say I can get you to where I haven't been because I haven't experienced those emotions, those troubles, those, you know, I'm going to teach what I know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I didn't... Yeah, that makes sense because, like, in a coaching context, because some skeptical clients are going to test you, right? So for me, they're testing psychic stuff. They're always going to, you know, sit down and be like, what can you tell me? You know? (laughs) For, like, a coach, though, it's kind of like, well, what have you done? Uh You know, like, that's the skeptical thing there. Yes, yes. Now, for the skeptic of hypnosis, I wouldn't say that I'm a skeptic at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I completely believe in it. 
but I would say I'm definitely afraid of it. I get that a lot. And (laughs) yeah, what would you say to a person like me? Because I Mm -hmm. think what I'm really afraid of probably is untrue. It's more like I kind of view the setting of hypnosis as me like relinquishing my control Mm -hmm. over to you. Mm -hmm. And that's like the scariest thing in the world to me. Even... Even I never, I don't think I've ever said this on my podcast, but I actually, as a Reiki practitioner, I have trouble receiving Reiki from others because I'm I'm afraid to like relinquish control yeah. and let them like you know put the energy into me, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of weird, but it's no. just my own issues. But <laughs> no, <laughs> but that's real though. Did you get like so in a in hypnosis seems even more scary than that because mm-hmm. there's a part of me that is like. Am I going to be like, I know I'm not actually going to be, but I'm like, am I going to be unconscious? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, with yeah. the, you're going to be like, wave your arms over your head or like, you're not actually going to do that. But So I keep that yeah. for the shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that is a thing for the shows. However, I always tell people and I know when I'm in front of a good audience where I'll say, um, always ask for consent in your consciousness. Okay. So if mm-hmm. you're consenting, then we'll be like, we'll do crazy things, but nothing that'll be so embarrassing that, you know, but right. that's in the entertainment space in, in like the therapeutic space. I always, um, say in the script that you're always in control. Mm-hmm. So you're always in control and you are always safe. So I always repeat that throughout when you're under trance, there is still that part of the brain, like, you know, when the mom is asleep, but she'll hear the baby cry and she'll be deep asleep, but she'll like wake up. There's that part of the brain that's still going on even when you're under. So you have that choice to engage with it as much as you want. You can go as deep as you want. Usually the first session, people get super relaxed. By the second session, they're asleep. (laughs) Right, Because we've built that rapport. It's like, well, I don't know who you are. And I don't, you know. So especially being trauma-informed, safety is so, 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 so important that I reiterate it again and again in the script because they'll have the recording of that so they can create that safety again within their home environment and do self-hypnosis at home where they don't need me. But we need to, like, before even the session starts, there's pre, pre-hypnosis, so as soon as they walk in the door, I'm already starting to hypnotize people. No <laughs> way. Oh, wow. So it's like getting people comfortable reading their body language asking them what is it that they need and it's a lot of hypnosis is also like a lot of persuasion a lot of reading them and them reading me and then if they do let go of control it's just like a really deep deep guided meditation but it's a meditation with a goal Oh, I like that definition. Yeah. Hypnosis is meditation with a goal. It's like the type A personality meditation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I think more people would like it if they, if right? they knew that was kind of the, the definition. Yes, because yeah. I'm like, well, you know, people say, sit down and do nothing. I'm like, yes, however, <laughs> like looking down at my watch, I'm like, I have things to do and goals and all this. And I'm like, I want to move towards my goals. And yes, sitting quietly is important. Um, however, like I want to make sure that I'm on the right path. So I use it more a supplement like that of meditation with a goal. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. How, um, like in a, a session, like hypnosis from my understanding can bring up 
un- subconscious memories mm-hmm. um, that could be from this lifetime yeah. or past lifetimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I think there's like a hypnosis skeptic but there's also like a person who's like all right let's go have this like trippy experience yeah. and figure out like what my past lives are and like yeah. can, do you have people i do and, <laughs> <laughs> they're like and, my friend told me and got this for my birthday so i'm really excited what's gonna happen <laughs> oh like see that for me like i feel that like yeah. when someone kind of gets like a reading as a gift mm-hmm. and they're like they're like treating it again we'll talk about that entertainment yeah. piece definitely but then maybe in hypnosis session or in my case the reading then takes a turn for the serious yes, yes. and then you're like well what the heck this was supposed to be a birthday <laughs> gift and now they're like remembering some stuff that like we weren't prepared for so how do you navigate that right it is funny because most of the time it's like I, I like that you, you mentioned that it's like the gateway to the the deep inner work it <laughs> is. and then they realize that and then they come back for a follow-up session okay <laughs> I'm like, we can go deeper into this, you know. So I had one person that was doing past life regression, and um, they were a person on an island, and then they died by drowning, and it was like water was a big thing in their life and needing to work through water and the emotions. So this is where that tarot connection comes back up again. Oh, yeah. Of, like, using all these collective unconscious symbols into the reading with hypnosis. And they're like, I'm not sure what it means. And I'm like, well, water means this but it also means this in this culture, you know? Yeah. And then that all of a sudden their eyes kind of light up and you're like, oh my God, yes. I haven't been taking care of my emotional well-being. I haven't. I'm like, well, we are in a therapy office and there are resources, right. <laughs> you know? So like whatever insights come up for them during past life regression, which is supposed to be entertaining, um, supposed to be. <laughs> that intention they come in is like supposed to be entertaining. It's that opening for them to go into their deeper inner work and maybe even a connection with upstairs right Mm -hmm. and maybe if it's not too personal yeah yeah what would be the for you in your kind of hypnosis journey and Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've had past life recollection recollections Mm -hmm. here and there what do you consider like a past life thing for you that you're still grappling with today there was one, oh, I did a past life regression on myself a couple months ago, and it was um, this little girl that ran away from her village, and she, like, sneaks into this, I don't know if it was a tower or, like, a mansion or a castle or something, but there was stone everywhere, and she could see the city burning, and there was a guard that was around the corner, and then he um, struck her with, like, a spear in her back. And I've been, and I had some why I went under, and why I always tell people to have an intention while they're going under, so they can get some clarity. Um, my intention was like, why am I dealing with this chronic illness situation? And I have uh, mm. some things that I was working on, and I was like, oh, okay. So there's some past life stuff that might be lingering in the body, you know, as a as a trauma. And it was interesting because every time the cold would come, that's when I would have a flare up. And she, by the end, because the soul then got out of the body as, the, as part of the leaving of the past life regression, she was like in a pool of blood and it was cold and it was stone. Oh. And then afterward, I was like, well, what, what do I glean from all this? And at the end, it's like meeting all of your past lives too and asking for any other wisdom. And funny enough, it's like you need to eat more fiber. <laughs> I was like, okay. But also avoiding the cold and then wetness. 
uh, dampness. And I was like, okay, mm. this makes sense. I did have a little bit of fiber after. I did feel a little bit better. So this yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. And how do we know as just people, like, how do we know when the issue is this life or past life? Mm. That's like a big question. Yeah. But like... I don't know. I think um, maybe that is a legitimate thing, though. It like, is. Maybe there's a fear that you, quote unquote, have no like rational reason why to be afraid of this, mm-hmm. and then but it like totally plagues your life. Is that yes. when we realize there's something past life that's needing to be addressed? This might be my cancer rising, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm a cancer rising too. So I was gonna, I was gonna say when there's a strong emotional reaction to like when I saw her in the pool of blood and then I had like an immediate like release I was like oh that's the truth in it and that's my own cancer theory on it when you know in your body and your body has an emotional reaction like that that there's a deeper truth and there's something that got healed from you witnessing that I think there's a truth in that and that was like in every moment where I had um the you have to travel and help people or you need to have an international exhibition, or you need to root down now, I had the same reaction. And it was like a universal thing, no matter where I was. So anytime I wasn't connected in, or like for a while I haven't connected, I'm like, oh, okay, why well, haven't I been feeling numb and numbing out? Because there might be something else that I'm not ready for. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mentally. Um, so I was like, okay, let's just do it. I'm procrastinating on it. I want to know what's happening. Um, but for me, knowing, like, the solidness of that that truth is it a past life thing is it a is it just um, a clinical thing you know and it could be both um is that emotional reaction and that deeper knowing mm. that thing you just said about like the the numbing out yeah um, yeah i wonder if that you know i was looking at your chart which yes. i have in front of me mm-hmm. and one of your i would say your one of most your your one of the most important aspects I think you have in your chart is mm-hmm. that you, that Leo moon mm-hmm. is actually opposing your Saturn. And <laughs> y- people with moon opposition Saturn, I mean, maybe in your experience, it is sort of that sometimes like numbing out of the emotions, like choosing when they're on and when they're <gasps> off. Completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering in in like Romanian culture, mm. is it in a, a very emotive culture or not no, at all? No, not at all. Oh, um, you yeah. do not smile to people on the street. It's you do not. It's a poker face culture. You do not let anyone in on the inside. And if you have a problem, that person's other problem is worse than yours. So pick it up and let's just keep going. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be Saturn opposition moon. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a thing. And still working through that in therapy and my therapist every time I mention that she's just like oh, no and I'm like it's just what it is <laughs> yeah yeah wow that's interesting so even like acknowledging my cancer rising and then how emotive I am and how it makes complete sense that I had anxiety and panic and depression because I was numbing out all of the feelings and that I am a highly sensitive person that I take in the world a certain way and it all it kind of took doing therapy inner work and then seeing my partner who's definitely more gregarious and super like I mean he works in bars and stuff I'm like I'm the introvert in the in the group yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like the extroverted amongst the introverts 
but I am the introverted amongst the extroverts. <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense. Do you sometimes, um, do you, has, this is a weird question. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you sometimes have trouble letting yourself have fun? Yes. <laughs> okay. I saw, you know, I, we have some similar placements and, yeah, I, yeah. and I too have Pluto in the fifth house. Mm. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. But has hypnosis helped you get through that a little bit? Like kind of like letting go of control? Like, yes. Okay. I think because that... The if anyone hasn't watched the Darren Brown Miracles, but you should. It's so funny and it's so good and it's like the skeptic of the healer. Like he makes fun of the healer, but also <laughs> he's just like, but it works. And it's like, what is it? It's that weird liminal space. But he makes a performance out of it. And I don't know if that's my Leo Moon also being like, yeah, making let's the make a performance of the emotional body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a that it it brought up the fun side of me on stage it's like the fun because the persona that I have on stage is like Mademoiselle Isabel and she's very like flirtatious and very funny and all this where me I'm just like a hermit and like I'm good (laughs) no this is making me and you know I just got the um the uh Kim Cran's archetype deck and you'd be into it and in there you're reminding me of the mask archetype and how Mm -hmm. Like wearing a mask, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but actually that mask can allow us to like live out something that we wouldn't normally live out. Yes. So it's interesting that then like in your, you know, your Isabel in the clinical hypnosis yeah. realm, but then you're also Isabella <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Your, in your like kind of more entertaining hypnosis mm-hmm. realm. And it's so yeah. liberating with that too, <laughs> because I, I have both of those sides in me and, yeah. and people just see like in the audience space, they see me just as that. And I'm like, that's perfect. Cause that was why even in the art show, I was like 21 aspects of self. Like we are complex human beings and nuanced and, all the pivots and things I've had from like social media manager to consultant to a singularity storyteller to all these pivots. I'm like, they were always in there. They're just Mm. rebranded differently. And I think that was one of the big things with my, um, like every time I'd rebrand people like, well, are you still doing that? Or who are you now? And I'm just like, it's still me. I'm just rebranded differently and we're going deeper every rebrand. Because it's like every rebrand, you're becoming like more of yourself. Yes. And I think when you are any kind of like entrepreneur, it Mm -hmm. does, you do have to rebrand a lot because we outgrow our names, Mm -hmm. we outgrow our logos, we outgrow our, even the shit that we're doing, we outgrow. Yes. So that makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I kind of, going into more of like the entertainment realm. Yes. um, uh, The entertainment realm of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew I wanted to have you on this podcast (laughs) probably around Halloween. Oh, yeah. And I actually was getting a couple like event bookings and like I was thinking to myself I was like okay I want on the one hand I want to do the these readings at these Halloween events because it would be a good you know networking thing la di da di da on the other hand there's something about um making my gift into like Halloween town yeah. that really doesn't resonate with totally. me and typically I 
I swear, every event I read at, there's, like, a lesson for me mm. uh, with reading for <laughs> some person that's, like, giving me a hard time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I thought, I'm like, I have to not, I can't be the only, like, healer who feels this, like, weird push and pull mm. when you're in the entertainment space. Because on the yeah. one hand, as you know, tarot can be used for entertainment. Mm. Hypnosis can be used for entertainment. On the other hand, for me, it's deeply clinical in a yeah, weird way yeah yeah so how do we like how do you deal with that like <laughs> is it more like when you're in when you're entertaining are you like no I'm just entertainer mm-hmm. when you're in the clinical setting nope I'm just this or like is yeah. there a mix and match I think with with hypnosis it's a bit easier because it's definitely like I go straight pure entertainment the only like lesson or healing part of it is my message of consenting to your consciousness right because there's a lot of like um adult comedy hypnotists that are kind of like ew (laughs) i was gonna say they're kind of like the magician pulling the the rabbit out of the hat yes yes or like they're doing like inappropriate adulty things on stage and i'm like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) i mean if you're consenting cool but just name it you know right there are a couple magician friends that i have and they're like oh i don't touch hypnosis with a 10-foot pole i'm sticking with my magic right (laughs) i understand it's a very volatile time right now (laughs) um but when it comes to um i understand that too when it comes to like a gig doing tarot i definitely keep it lighter but stuff comes up for people even then yeah um so i always have my business card ready and i'm like hey keep in touch if you ever need a reading and Mm. because especially if it's in a public space like a corporate event or a birthday and they don't want to get all emotional with their friends who are like "Ooh, yay you know my relationship is or you know my career says this um i always kind of we make eye contact here's my card if you ever need a reading and I give them that autonomy yeah to go deeper because when they're ready they go and that's one of the my my best things that I know when somebody's ready is like I've been following the signs I've been following you on Instagram and I knew that I wanted to work with you but now I feel ready yeah because they've been mulling it you know they've been thinking about it. they've been doing maybe some inner work around it so that's inner work I don't have to do and I can go straight into like the tarot reading with them or hypnosis with them or like coaching yeah okay I get it mm-hmm. so it's like you are really able to kind of use that sort of entertainment side of you mm-hmm. to kind of like attract these people who may be interested later in the more clinical side of yeah. what you do I think the entertainment's just another marketing thing yeah <laughs> I know the right people the right ideal clients will will come in when they need to um because the if i that would be so much work like i did a, a party this morning and it was 18 readings and it was one after the other i'd be like put out oh my gosh <laughs> yep yeah but this is like i did a simple three card and a lot of them was like what intention what what do you want from the reading and they're like oh i just want a general what kept a general very surface level and I know I love to go deep with people, but I'm like, they don't need that right now. Yep. That was the fire hose lesson of earlier from like 10 years ago that I learned. Like people, you don't need to overgive. Give just a taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. And, you know, that makes, like even last week, um, there's like a restaurant kind of next to where I work and yeah. we did like a little pop-up there. Cute. And no, but like I was doing cards and 
like the lady some of the stuff that was coming up um the lady ended up kind of crying and we're like next to a slap machine and i'm like no <laughs> like this is this is kind of the the kind of achilles heel of like doing yeah, this stuff in yeah. an entertainment setting it's true and it's like on the one hand we're like wearing like an entertainer hat and on the mm-hmm. other hand it's like nope the other hat needs to come on in a different context and it's yes. it's hard to kind of balance it <laughs> it is it is and i think like i've learned to to just keep it as as light as possible get people excited enough and moved enough that they'll they'll want to come back and do the actual inner work in a safer container yeah that makes that makes sense for sure Mm -hmm. now kind of going back to your more clinical setting of Mm -hmm. what you're doing with hypnosis Mm -hmm. um and i think that's in general i think like this the psychology kind of environment is shifting more to like spirituality to Mm -hmm. kind of favoring this sort of like you can heal yourself kind Mm, of situation Mm -hmm. how do you see like i guess all the healers now let's say in the next 10 years like how do you see us like shifting kind of this this sort of environment around the clinical psychology realm like do you see us kind of going in and working in therapist office as you do do like how do you see us changing it i that's so good um maybe it's just that the the therapists i'm friends with now they do a lot of referrals out to i know reiki um i get from other therapists um their their clients too for hypnosis um it's funny because when I get an entertainment gig for tarot, the people that I talk to on the phone, they're like, oh, I, I go to my regular tarot reader like once a month to get my reading done. And it's more like a, it's a healing thing rather than an entertainment thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I think like, and we were already seeing it now. And I think if there wasn't even a New York Times article around it that was very, <gasps> so much response. Was that the one? <laughs> well, there was a couple. There was like a New York Times article saying that therapists are learning astrology to help their younger clients but then there was another one that was like tarot readings are sort of like a bona fide like therapy appointment (laughs) which kind of like hit me hard I was like oh Oh, (laughs) yeah it's like people are expecting a lot right right yeah um I think it's funny because I went to a, a tarot meetup with some other professional tarot readers and they said oh yeah I'm I'm also a therapist and occasionally, like, they'll have their deck in their office or something, and then clients will see it, and then they'll incorporate it sometimes if they if the client wants. Um, and there was one that said, oh, the therapist I just worked at quit because she's going full-time tarot reader and she's making more money. <laughs> no, yeah. That's a real thing, too. I think, though, um, and I always play around with the idea of going back to school and just getting a license. It's just like... I built so much and it feels like then it's time away from what I've built to get the licensure, to get back to the place where I'm already at. Exactly. Which is really, I always go back and forth. Every time school starts, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go back to school. (laughs) Um, I think making those alliances with therapists is going to be super important for healers. And then kind of establishing what are those roles of this is something that I need to work or refer out with a therapist Mm. like I had that one client that insurance you know took their insurance and the therapist was in the room with me 
and we worked together with this one client for their hypnosis session you know that makes yeah we need to start working together more i think Mm -hmm. and i think that um you know in in the trauma workshop that we both kind of took together a couple months ago the the therapist who was leading that workshop kind of said something like like therapists are are you know referring people to reiki practitioners um yada 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 and then Mm -hmm. they get to the session and then maybe the reiki practitioner or the tarot reader or whoever whatever modality you use Mm -hmm. they may not be kind of um quote-unquote trauma informed enough to hold space for that client so i guess for you what are your kind of steps for like being a trauma informed tarot reader let's Mm -hmm. say because obviously hypnosis being a hypnotist you you kind of have to have that trauma information yeah but then for tarot reader i think mm. a lot of people don't necessarily view themselves as needing to be trauma informed yeah but then they may be in a situation where they're like oh shit they're like, like yeah. i just triggered something yeah yeah <laughs> i think um if it's in the entertaining hypnosis that's one of the reasons where i keep things really light and surface exactly but when it's the one-on-one like an hour-long tarot reading session i send out a questionnaire that kind of gives me a, a gauge of this person and one of the questions i always ask kind of like how you asked as well before we did the podcast um is there anything that you would like me to not talk about today oh you know or are there any memories or triggers that i should be aware of and it doesn't mean that maybe we might discover a new trigger that day you know (laughs) but we're aware and it creates a a precedent for them being like oh this is a safe container for me to feel and process because there will be emotions that come up either way no matter what modality you're doing and if anything that's a good thing because that's my cancer rising being like we had a moment (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. do you have a little like um a little like a a disclaimer you say before you do a reading like what do you say oh before like for just a tarot reading yeah because or... i have a little disclaimer but Ooh. i don't know if you have <laughs> i don't know if i'm the only one <laughs> that, i think that's a smart thing to do um because a lot of people they'll come in and they don't know what to expect or the the group of girls i was working with today they're like well what happened and <laughs> did she tell you your future you know and just like she's a fortune teller you know and i'm just like okay here's what we got <laughs> Um, I kind of, my disclaimer comes up when I, I bring up the quick reading that I do with the past, present, and future, and I give them a very general, like, hey, what's the energy of the past that we work with, what's happening in the present, and then what's the gift in the future? Mm-hmm. And so when I walk them through it, I either see their faces kind of go like, oh, I thought this was about my future, or like... Oh, I had that, and you, then you feel like an asshole, and you're like, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like... If they see that, then I'll be like, or we can just like talk about the future energies that are happening, you know. But usually I'll stick to my guns around like, this is what we're doing. Right. That's how. (laughs) If you want another reading, here's my card, and we can go more in depth with like future energies and what needs to be worked on to manifest future stuff. But um, I think just walking them through, because that's also what pre hypnosis is is walking people through the expectation so that there are no surprises. Yeah, I think tarot readers could use a little bit of that. Um, Well, I mean, granted, there are some, like, um, I think 
maybe readers in like more of an older generation who are kind of into the sort of like shock value that yeah. a tarot reading can <laughs> can give and mm-hmm. versus like maybe someone who's a little bit more like trauma informed they're going at it in a different angle it's totally a different style i like that you bring that up because i went once to a psychic and i was like this is not my jam yep. <laughs> it was like after a breakup and she's like oh i see this in your line and there's a dark shadow that's following you five more dollars to find out more and I'm just like no <laughs> yeah, no no that's not where I'm going but with then it. I was left with like there's a dark shadow that follows me what <laughs> and but it's weird because like some m- most people don't want that but yeah. some people do want that really like oh yeah I can see like yeah, yeah, one yeah. time one time at an event um after an event I just had read for someone and I thought the reading had gone well I felt like I was hitting on stuff they were agreeing they were like okay yeah and then like after the reading they were like so do you know any do you know any psychics and I was <gasps> like oh god okay so I was like in my mind it was like okay, I felt like I was totally intuitively hitting on this person's life, but then from their perspective, I maybe wasn't at all giving them what they wanted. Mm. And I said, oh, and I kind of like played dumb and I was like, um, yeah, I do. Um, I was like, what exactly are you looking for? And That's a good she, question. And she was like, well, one time I had a psychic. I went after my you know, son was born and she told me like when I was going to die and how I was going to die. <gasps> oh and like, then when I got cancer, I like, you know, I wasn't afraid anymore because it wasn't how she told me I was going to die. And I was like, mm. I kind of backed up and I was like, okay, if that's what people are seeking, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. And like, I think more tarot readers are not that, but still <laughs> there's such a stereotype of like, that is how we're perceived in mm-hmm, some way mm-hmm. although you know that psychic who told her how she was gonna die does she even know I you know? know like that sounds really problematic to me too it does that <laughs> does that's not my style at yeah all. i'm like that is very old school very old school yeah. and i feel like the old school is just like out right now <laughs> i can see that yeah that the transition because uh in romania too it's funny because i don't <laughs> i don't really tell my Romanian family what I do because then they'll be like oh are you a gypsy (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's a whole that's a whole dynamic there but there's definitely like that old school origin the same thing where the woman will grab your hand at this train station and she'll be like oh I see something really bad in your future and da 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 and I'm like we're moving away from that and we're moving more into the healing and holding space and I think a lot of the work we do is being trauma or like oriented Oriented. Mm -hmm. absolutely and also in the trauma workshop we talked about how like therapists can um become traumatized like in certain situations what is that the secondary the secondary trauma or the vicarious vicarious trauma trauma. Mm -hmm. and i was wondering if you have like any tips or if you've had an experience where um, not that you have to go into details about that because mm-hmm. obviously it's confidential, but um, like how d- have you experienced that, I guess I should say. Mm. I think it was really helpful for me to have both my coach and my therapist that I'd see every week and then my little like healer group that I'd talk things through and process. 
Um, so if I had any vicarious trauma, I wouldn't have felt it. Also, I was still in the middle of doing my own healing work with my Leo conjunct <laughs> moon, so I'd numb it out. And I think only, <laughs> okay. only um, the last two years, I could say that I allowed emotions to come through because, I don't know, from all of my experiences growing up and being a refugee my mantra was like just try to shock me <laughs> okay <laughs> so I was just like oh I it's all good and you're like well I don't I'd have clients too that would like well I don't know if I want to tell you this because it'll it'll like upset you and I'm like you're fine and then yeah. they tell me and I'm like child you were okay because <laughs> right, right. I've dealt all the way from sexual abuse to incest to suicide and depression like really heavy stuff and I'm like I don't know if I thrive in that shadowy space because it's people that have touched such a taboo and dark human right. spot that's not given light at all in society that it gives me so much like when somebody can be witnessed and held space for that who knows they probably never shared it with anybody or they shared it with just their therapist and their even their spouse doesn't know i feel it such a a privilege to not necessarily hold it but keep the room for it to stay come there out. and come yeah. out and one of my favorite um she's like this punk pastrix she calls herself she has, my heart is open and I'm receiving what is being said by that person because she's doing pastoral care, but behind that is God's heart to yeah. not take that all in because we're human and vicarious trauma is real. Allow that to hit you, but then let it melt away into the rest of space, universe, God, because we can't carry all that ourselves. And when she said that, I was like, oh, that is such a great tool. That is a good... That just helped me a lot. Yeah. yeah it's like, I don't have to carry it all. Right, right. Because when we, when we talk about this phrase, like, holding space, maybe there is an implication that, like, mm. it's kind of like you're, you're almost taking their stuff, and it's not what nope. it is. Mm -hmm. You're just letting it kind of come out, like we said. Yes. <laughs> and I was talking to my therapist about this, too, because I did have... That was one of the newer ones from, like, last year maybe that I picked up on um, was exorcisms because every time I even leave the office because I'm the last one to leave and I turn off all the lights I'm like mm, dark stuff's happened in these rooms you know yeah. being released and I don't want to take it home with me so I have my little frankincense and myrrh that I put on like a little roll on like you know my uh, wrists and then on my forehead and I do a little cross um, and I kind of like consciously decide this is not coming home with me. Mm. And I asked my therapist too of like, what did you do to not carry all the stuff that I drop on you, you know? <laughs> and she's like, I made a conscious decision. When the door is closed, I do a, like a washing away energetically. That it stays here and it's not taken home with me. Yeah. Because there was that thing too of like, how do I get out of coach mode? How do I get out of hypnosis or like hypnotist mode or tarot reader mode and I could just be me? Because I'll go to the bar and then all of my partner's friends know that I'm a tarot reader and then they're like, oh, can you read my deck? And I'm like, I've been reading all day. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, 
you want to come to the class, come to the class, or you want a session, you know, so the boundary around that and like putting the different hats or the masks, like you said, that has been like my biggest lesson with all this too, not taking it home with me. And I think every single person who does any kind of healing work, they're probably, at least in their first year or even two years, Mm -hmm. learning a big lesson about energetic maintenance. Yes. And and even a beginning therapist. Oh, yeah. Energetic maintenance, (laughs) like how to energetically maintain yourself when most therapists, healers... um, are deeply empathic mm-hmm. and we just naturally sponge this stuff <laughs> yeah so then to like stop doing that because yeah. it's like your health depends on it, it and does. also your your work depends on you stop not sponging mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah like it's an overflowing of the sponge it can take on so much we need to squeeze it out and then we go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, time to squeeze out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay, I think I cast a chart for this podcast, yeah. and I think so we kind of well, we hit a lot of the stuff that is is in here. Um, yeah. Actually, we have um, the Sun and Mercury conjunct and then we also have Saturn and Pluto conjunct these are all in Capricorn but they're in the eighth house and I thought it was funny that the eighth house of our podcast was busy because the eighth house is about death Mm. and I thought okay like we're talking about um, hypnosis that's kind of like past life stuff and we're talking eighth house stuff is a lot about trauma it's about Mm kind of really deep scorpionic things I love it yeah so I think we we walked into our podcast fate for sure (laughs) also our our north node of this podcast is in our first house so I feel like there's something about this podcast that might help another person kind of step into their own unique power or like definitely and also the first house is the mask it's like the persona so it's funny that we talked about that too it is that professional persona that they put on with their gift yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um so i if someone i will definitely link um isabel's stuff in the show notes but if someone is interested in like your offerings or working with you can you give us a little something something about how to work with you yeah so I have um, Instagram's the best way to kind of see a, a taste of all the things. Um, I have um, hypnosis in Chicago, but also remotely. And we're actually in, in my little hypnosis room where I do sessions right now. <laughs> and um, I also uh, do regular one-off coaching and then mentorship for people that are wanting to do coaching and facilitating just because... Over the last couple of years, I've learned so much about the do's and do nots of facilitation. Um, and then the um, new exciting thing that's kind of like the 2.0 version of my original circle is uh, the coven, which is going to be working with healers and artists, but also going with the phases of the moon, um, being supported and witnessed by other people, so holding space which is going to be super exciting and I'm excited for that because all my old clients are like, can we have a circle again? (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay, we'll bring the circle back because I also need it too. Um, And that's also all available um, at isabelrizzo.com. Tarot is another thing that I do as well and do one-hour readings. Um, And on my website too, if you're kind of curious about 
what an experience of hypnosis is. I have a little free hypnosis script that you can listen to around cultivating your own internal sacred space. So that little platform where you can connect with the upstairs that knowing, especially if you are a trauma survivor, um, that no one can ever take away this aspect of yourself. Like it's your solid grounded space. Awesome. Well, cool. And I'm going to work with you soon. So <laughs> I'm excited to get into like face my fear of the hypnosis yeah. and like see what we can get accomplished too. So it's going to awesome. be so less scary once you be like, oh, that's all. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad we kind of like debunked hypnosis here. It's a lot of that. I find even with clients, like for the first time, they're like, are you going to control my brain? Like, what's going to happen? Are you going to make me cluck like a chicken? I'm like, no, no, that's for the stage. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here, Isabel. And um, again, I'm going to link all of her stuff in the show notes. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, um, let us know on either Instagram or on Apple Podcast Ratings. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>